This is the Gary V Audio Experience. You do talk a lot on your social channels about hating your job. And while obviously everyone here loves huh. I mean, we all go through points, whether you're on a non-traditional career path, like some of the influencers that you work with or the entrepreneurs, or even a more traditional path like the ones here. What, what advice, what, what could we learn for those of us on a more traditional path from the non-traditional folks that you work with? Um, you know, it's funny. It's really hard to ask a giraffe to be a penguin or vice versa. And so one thing that's become much more obvious to me as I've gotten older is like, wow, DNA is powerful. Like I'm so comfortable with no and losing and fear, but I'm so empathetic to people that aren't. I, and this will surprise a lot of you that maybe follow me, I'm unbelievably comfortable with aggressiveness and candor and binary talk on stage, but one-on-one, I've really struggled over the last 25 years as an executive with radical candor and shooting it straight because I'm so optimistic and I'm always trying to fix it. And so that's taken me a lot of work. And through that work, it, I'm like, okay, you know, there's the things that come natural and the things that aren't. If you grew up in a framework with parents or customs that really desperately overvalue outside affirmation, the opinions of your parents' parents or siblings because you come from, a, let's call it what it is, an immigrant background where there's a huge commonality there. Um, school, you were so deeply bought into school that the short-term affirmation of every 90 days with grades and report cards made you comfortable. It's very hard to then go into, hey, hey, this is what you should learn from entrepreneur land. Like, don't worry about it. It's all gonna be fine. That's very hard. You've fully built yourself as an animal to completely value outside judgment that is not based on the market but based on another human being. That's what I'd like people to learn, which is like, hey, like, what are we doing here? You've won the 400 trillion to one lottery of being a human being. Do you really wanna live with regret? Like, do you not understand that the internet is the greatest optionality in the history of mankind? That our grandparents and everybody behind them had nowhere close to the options you sit with today? And really, like, what are you valuing that's making you conform into doing something that doesn't make you happy? Your current overhead? So sell your home and rent. That sounds crazy. You know, when I started talking about like, hey, in the pursuit of happiness, would you consider selling your home and renting? I mean, I got destroyed in the comments sections and a lot of the play like, like that I'm some horrible person. I'm like, how is living your life to pay the bills that you've created for yourself? That's all humans, all that humans do are create their own jails and then live within it. That's all we do. So, so knowing that that's very hard in a human way, the situation you have with your parents, all that stuff, the professional one feels like I have a prayer of communicating that and letting people, and here's my point. If you wanna be a professional skier or if you wanna start a a blog or podcast around cooking, my big thing is if you jump and start swimming, you know, this is riding a bike, kissing a boy or girl or, 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 you know, swimming. This is, it seems super scary until you do it and then you just laugh about why it felt so scary. Like if you go do that thing and live more humble, live with judgment, you could always get a job again. Like, I don't know, like I just, my great fear is regret. 
because it is the obvious thing I see in people that are 80 to 100 years old that seems super scary. <laughs> Nobody was thrilled that they played it safe. It just, you don't see it. And I think people should spend more time with 80 to 100 year olds that aren't their grandparents. <laughs> I mean it, I mean it. I think people need context on life a little bit. I think people have a horrible relationship with time. Do you know how many people in this room are scared shitless of 30? Like it's some thing, like it means nothing. But our society has decided to tell you that you have to figure it out and marry and children and what are you talking about? 98% of the 59 year olds I know don't have it figured out. The hell are we supposed to have it all figured out at 30? 25, like people are making terrible decisions. Getting married because they think they're supposed to by this age. You know, like buying homes because they think they're supposed, like the rules of modern society have led to, everybody wants to blame technology, you know, and drug companies for, you know, all our problems. We need to blame our norms, our expectations, our ridiculous North Stars that have, make no sense. We're living, when I look at this young of a crowd, they're living to 110. There's an enormous amount of people in here that are gonna live to 110 and are freaking out that they don't have it figured out by 30. You're not even a fucking quarter of the way there yet. (laughs) What are we talking about? So in, you know, that's very heady stuff. In its practical layer of, of business and life and jobs and career, I think everybody owes it to themselves to start something on the side around something that they're really desperately in. You, the reason a lot of entrepreneurs are alcohol uh, are workaholics. <laughs> there's a whole, there's a whole different reason they're alcoholics. Honestly, I'll just go to that for a minute. Entrepreneurship is super lonely. I hate that entrepreneurship is cool now because people that are not entrepreneurs are jumping in, and it is a dangerous, lonely game. If you're not a purebred, you will get eaten up. If you don't love losing and love the struggle and love the pushback, you will lose. You will be unhappy. But the reason that a lot of entrepreneurs are workaholics is because they love it. They got lucky. They like literally love, like I remember not loving it. I mean, being in school, looking at the clock from first period on, those days, one day in high school feels longer than the last decade of my life. (laughs) I mean that. And I know there's an enormous amount of people here at this right exact moment that are already counting down Friday. And that's not good. And that's not good for Chase, and that's not good for them. And so we need a better debate. And it starts with what we spend our money on. A lot of people are like, Gary, but how am I supposed to live in New York City? I'm like, don't. <laughs> like, don't. Like, like, we have to get more binary around happiness. I really believe that. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt your uh, video. I'm just giving you this call for my number uh, to let you know that you have to join my text community. Uh, 212-931-5731, hit me up with a text. I have um, the real pleasure of getting to talk to a lot of young people in my job here at this company and I feel that even from an entrepreneurial level within the company that people are afraid to take risks. Well, I was a communications major, so therefore I have to go on the communications path, and then I have to be a more senior communicator. I mean, a place like J.P. Morgan Chase, you can, like Mary said, you can move to London, you can move to Dubai and take a risk, but people are terrified. Trish, so pe- people that? are in the business of no. People are in the business of saying no before they asked. 
people prefer to blame the machine. I'm, I'm aware, I have it at Vayner. I have a full hardcore open door policy, but some people would rather go to the bathroom and vent than actually talk to me when I've proven over the last half decade how unbelievably safe it is to talk to me. So how do you, how do, you do it? How do you push yourself to take a risk? Practice. Hmm. What do you mean? I've been thinking a lot about this lately. I think you have to challenge yourself. Listen, careers are a big, per- the reason I talk so much about work is it's a scary percentage of our entire life. The amount of time you spend working in comparison to everything else you do is when you add sleeping into the equation, it gets really intense. So I really push people here and, and how do you do it? If it's too hard to do here because you were a student and you're in a machine and now you're this and it, like, you have to try to do things outside. Like, I actually think somebody here off of this talk who then goes and tries skiing, I don't know why I'm stuck in that today, for the first time and never was a skier or cooking or going to a, you know, an opera, doing something completely uncomfortable may start the process of them doing something uncomfortable here. I think it's practice. I think you need to, by the way, let me give you, a, I like to go literal once in a while. Some, I'm hoping one person does this. Go volunteer at a nursing home for one day in your life. A, I think you'll get a lot of value of what I talked about earlier because perspective is the game and you can get it real quick if you go into that jungle. And B, that's you doing something uncomfortable. I think people have to break patterns. I think you do something different or, or build courage to do something different by getting used to it. The great fortune of my life was I was an immigrant who got picked on for not being able to speak English. I was a terrible student. I was not good at sports. I basically lived the first 18 years of my life telling me that I was a losing player. So I got real cozy with losing. I love losing. It's why I associate so much more with people that don't come from privilege. You know, whether they look that part, and I look, I view privilege first and foremost, we don't have the, you know, we can see a white male looks privileged. We can see somebody who's well off financially as privileged. The real privilege game in our society is what's going on in everybody's dome. Mental privilege is number one, right? Uh, when I, that's, I'm, I, I wish, this is why I'm talking so much about parenting. We are living through the worst execution of parenting in our society because we're living through such enormous success, abundance, and prosperity in America for the last 60, 70 years. And so now parents are getting into things, you know, parents during the Great Depression struggled with going to school and yelling at the parent, at the teacher for not doing this, that, or the other thing. So we're, we're living in eighth place trophies, fake environments, entitlement. There are kids in this room right now who take money from their parents and are over the age of 22. I believe that that is the number one poison in our society. I believe it creates enormous fake environments. It subconsciously tells children that they're not capable and they need their parents' help. And uh, fake environments are bad. And it leads to bad behavior. We don't, do you know that our society doesn't talk about saving money at all? We don't talk about saving money at all. We don't talk about borrowing money from our parents and paying them back. That's what two generations ago used to do. Now we just, we're so fucking entitled. We just expect. This is what, you know, everybody always asks me like, hey, how do I manage, you know, these millennials? I'm like, with empathy. They were parented in an environment where if you came in ninth, they clapped for you. 
I, I don't think that, I, listen, I think this is a super important subject matter. I'm not saying boo somebody and make them feel like, I believe in, I'm a product of self-esteem. My mom did the greatest job of self-esteem, but she also created accountability. Like, and we really need to debate that.